Hello, everybody. I'm Warren Smith, and I'd like to welcome you to the Ministry Watch podcast. Today on our extra episode, we bring back to the program Jane Schoen. Jane is the Director of Strategic Initiatives for the Strategic Resource Group, an organization that funds projects to reach unreached people groups in the Middle East and North Africa, the so-called MENA region of the world. A year ago, I reported on a new initiative by the Strategic Resource Group that, if successful, could have a dramatic impact on the way we do Bible translations. They are using a so-called Translation Service Provider, or TSP. A TSP is an organization that normally translates documents like contracts, treaties, movie scripts, books, and all manner of other material. But they are using it. TSP to translate the Bible. The company that they're using is called LinguaLinks, and I wrote an article about this process a year ago in August of 2021. And earlier this year, we checked in with Jane to see how things were going. Today, we look in again. Now, the very fact that Jane and SRG are allowing me to have these regular check-ins is dramatically different from the way Bible translation organizations normally operate. It's an industry that's cloaked in secrecy and layers of bureaucracy. In fact, for the past two years or so, I've written nearly two dozen articles on the industry and its practices, and I'll have links to these articles in the show notes. I encourage you to check those articles out to provide a bit more context for what has been going on in the Bible translation industry for decades now and why what Jane and SRG are doing is so different. But until then, here's my conversation with Jane Schoen, which we had via Zoom last week. Well, Jane, welcome back to the program. You know, we spoke in, I think it was January of this year, and that was a follow-up to an article that I actually wrote a year ago in August of 2021 to talk about the TSP, the Translation Service Provider Process, and just wanted to check in with you and kind of create a little accountability and update in this uh, process. Uh, let's begin with, how's it going? I mean, are you have you made the kind of progress that you hoped that you were going to make whenever you kind of began on this journey a little more than a year ago? Well, hi, Warren. Um, great to be with you again. Um, in short, yes, we have have started not just a single project using a translation service provider or a TSP, but we actually have two going and both are going really well. I would say both are about half done. So there's no turning back at this point. One is, the first one's in the language of Hejazi, a language in Saudi Arabia, and they are using a TSP that's US-based and have a review team that is quite virtual. Some of those review members are in Saudi Arabia, but they're in other places as well, but they're, they're virtually working together with tools. The second project is a language in Pakistan, Sarake. And that one has got an extra twist to it in that a TSP is helping a traditional ministry partner work. And so it's it's kind of a hybrid of a traditional partner and a new fashion partner, a TSP, speeding up the translation together. And um, that one is, is going exceedingly well too. So we are definitely on this road 
of looking for more TSP support to cover more of the UPG languages that are in our scope. Well, let me talk some specifics if we could. And um, when we began um, talking to each other about a year ago, you were estimating that once you got underway, that um, you believed that you could do a complete translation of the Bible with about $250,000 to the TSP and about another $100,000 uh, for the review process and administration and so on and so forth. At least that's that's what um, I remember from our earlier conversations. And that it would take about a year from beginning to end um, per complete Bible translation. So just using those two numbers as a benchmark, $350,000 in a year, how are you on budget? Are you behind budget? Are you ahead of budget? We, in both cases, we're on budget. Um, we are certainly, what mainly makes a difference is that people are paid when batch work is done. So it's pay as you go. So there's no oozing through a month, a quarter, and then checking. So people are paid. And so that has allowed us to stay within the money that we've planned to spend. So money, from the money point of view, yes. From a time point of view, um, we will finish these in less than two years for sure. And what has stretched us from maybe one year or 15 months, I'm talking 18 months, 24 months, is COVID and resources working in really tough circumstances and um, having to leave in a few cases, swapping people out, um, a few more extra loops through a translation draft that probably could have been a higher quality. Um, all of these are pretty normal project um, things that you have to just wrestle with and figure out along the way, nothing catastrophic. The projects did not stop. There was a month where the entire review team was fighting COVID. So that definitely put a dent in the timeline. But there's always a chance to keep going at the same speed and even accelerate once you figure out the language better. Well, I don't want to skip uh, too far ahead just yet, Jane, to talk about, you know, future projects and scalability and all that kind of stuff, which we will get to. But but let me just stick to these projects. So these these problems that you encountered, are, are they problems that if you do start another project, you'll be able to say, oh, we know what steps to take to prevent those problems from happening. So we really can get 18 months down to 12 months or 24 months down to 15 months or whatever. Or is this just part of the growing pains and you think that the that the new normal is going to be, yeah, we can still do it for $350,000, but it's probably going to take 18 months to two years per translation. You know, when we budget for future projects using this approach, our budgetary estimates are two years, just to put um, some conservative look at it. But realistically, it's that's probably the outside time frame. What we have learned is that you you really avoid single points of trouble as best as you can. So you're always looking for additional translators, additional reviewers. Um, do we have safety nets, you know, ways to keep going. And it's not a rush to the finish line so much as are we keeping the quality of the translation at, at the place where we're, as we're doing the best job we can. And that's why in some cases we've circled back into the translation team and said, do this batch again, please. Uh, this part is great, this part not so good. 
please redo it. That's worth the time. That's not going to cost us a lot of time. We're talking weeks, not months or years. Yeah. And so quality is paramount. Time is important, but we're not going to rush. Well, you say, I, I get that you're not going to rush, but you do have a goal. You do have a, um, a plan. And that plan is for, um, I think, 30 something, 35, 36, 37 translation, 34 translations to be completed in a five year period. Um, obviously, you know, where you are right now is a great start, but you're going to have to accelerate pretty dramatically to meet that goal. So, how are you going to do that? What's the plan from here going forward to get to 34 in five years? Well, that's where we're living right now, because when we last talked, I think our mentality was we're still piloting this approach. We pilot with one project. Now let's start a second to see if that was a fluke. No, it's not a fluke. This is really going to be viable. So how do we operationalize this approach so that we're not just stitching it together instance by instance? And if we want to achieve all of those languages by five years, how many each year do we really need to be doing? And it turns out we will start six to eight this year. That's the most we've ever started. Um, and then another batch of that magnitude next year. So it, there's a pretty dramatic climb of replicating the process now across many instances. To do that, we're looking at more TSP partners, who can do the coverage of the languages and, and testing it with samples. And that takes a little bit of work. Um, can we line up the reviewers? That's so all of these are parallel now activities, finding TSPs, finding reviewers, understanding what tools may be used um, in the process. Um, and then for the in-house team, can we add some resources that are particularly adept at starting things up, at mobilizing and arranging teams um, to get to the start line? Because once they start, once you've got everything locked down and you're paying people to move forward, that's a different skill set to keep tracking and monitoring the project. The gap we're trying to fill is the startup phase. Well, you know, Jane, I've been covering the Bible translation industry for several years now, and um, it's really hard to get um, meaningful metrics out of the traditional Bible translation industry. But as near as I can tell, the it, the Bible translation industry is able to complete between 10 and 15 Bible translations a year. Um, and they're doing that by spending probably... $500 million a year uh, in order to get there. What you are suggesting, though, is that this process in five years is going to complete 34 Bible translations. That's not quite 10 a year, but it's pretty darn close to 10 a year. And you're going to do it with just a fraction of the resources, probably 10 to $15 million for the entire um you know, for the, I mean, you know, $350,000 times 30 Bible translations. I mean, that's, that's $10 million more or less right there. And um, I mean, th that's, that is a huge, huge paradigm shift, isn't it? Yes, it is. And um, I always, my heart stops a bit because it is truly awesome. 
in the real sense of the word. It, it is doable. It's really the gating item is this mobilization of resources because you can pay them, you can um, correct problems along the way, you can run several in parallel. And this is all things that you can plan and manage. This is not rocket science. Um, it's just using good know-how to do sacred work. So why, I mean, and, and I know, uh, Jane, that, that uh, you've been very gracious and circumspect about criticizing the traditional Bible translation industry, uh, and, and I respect that, and I don't want you to say anything that you're not comfortable saying, but why hasn't the Bible translation industry that has a half a billion dollars a year at their disposal embraced this sort of methodology? I think part of, I mean, my brain, it's like um, a no-brainer for me because my work history is very business-centric, where you're, you're moving things as fast as you can. I don't think we've had a lot of Janes in the Bible translation industry. And so I do think I'm a, a, a disruptor to the idea, just by the way I'm wired and my personal skills and, and my references to speed things up and other people in SRG, not just me. So I think that's one factor. If they would look into fast moving companies and grab a few people and transplant them into their organizations, they'd probably have the same disruptive experience. You people are just going, why? Why are you doing that? Why? Not being afraid to challenge status quo is a trait that we have. And, um, and then doing it in spite of the way things have been happening in the past. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, that's right. You guys are kind of a greenfield, I guess you might say, right? You, you don't have a hundred-year-old legacy of doing things a particular way behind you. So I, I do get that. L let, me, let me jump forward to this, this kind of the scalability question a little bit and, and, uh, and get at that question by talking about some of the issues that we've already talked about. Again, doing really quick back-of-the-envelope math, $350,000 per Bible translation, you want to do 35 of them, that's between 10 and $15 million. I mean, my math is not precise on that. But do, first of all, do you have that money raised right now? Do you know where that 10 to $15 million is going to come from for the next, say, four to five years to get this first batch done? We have most of it identified, yes. Um, we're not worried about that. Okay. We do have a second sub-strategy that is not as fully funded that is kind of a hand in glove to translation. I'd be happy to talk about for a minute. Well, what and what is that like? Bible is that engagement and distribution? What is that? It's about so now you've translated it, get it in use, get it distributed in all of the channels that those language speakers use. Don't just pick one and claim victory. Everybody, well, I shouldn't say everybody. Many speakers are using smartphones, so you want digital content that can be put into their hands in lots of different ways. Well, and I respect and appreciate that, but it does cause me to wonder, though, if that was, if that isn't what has derailed some of the Bible translation organizations is that they they um, get distracted from Bible translation by becoming essentially discipleship organizations or, or warehousing organizations or distribution organizations, and that is what has slowed down the Bible translation process. Are you worried about that happening to you? No, because um, so I, I should say two dimensions of scale. One is to distribute what we're translating 
not just in a single channel, but all relevant channels. Having intelligent distribution managers and plans to use instantly what's being translated. And scripture is an ingredient for all sorts of things that the church needs. The second scalability is translating beyond scripture. So once you've built an engine to handle on language two, language three, and you've already done the Bible, you can do leadership material, discipleship material, worship material, children's material, women's material, and on and on and on. You can equip the church more fully because you can translate at a higher volume. The next element of scale that I want to ask you about a little bit is the notion of where to go after the 35 or the 34 uh, have been translated. In other words, is SRG, uh, maybe in partnership with Illuminations or others, just going to scale up from there? Or is your hope that maybe some of the traditional Bible translation organizations will realize what you're doing, adopt that approach, and they will be a part of the scaling as well? Well, that would be wonderful. And that would bring even more um, more product, more, more of God's word further, that we welcome that with open arms. I think that the scaling of content into the languages is one scale dimension. A second scale dimension is to go beyond the 35 languages and into the gateway languages of Farsi and Arabic, for example, and put more content um, through TSP channels, and have that more widely used too, because we know that's widely consumed in the Middle East. There's always a shortage of great content for broadcast channels, internet channels, radio, um, podcasts, webinars. There, there is a shortage of content. Right. So um, what's next? Are you just now working the plan for the next uh, couple of years and starting six to eight this year, I think you said, and I'm, I'm assuming... Um, that means, though, that you've got to probably start 10 to 12 next year and uh, 15 to 18 the next year. I mean, what is, what is this looking like? It's more um, so the concept's proven. Um, we are moving forward. It's operationalizing the machine and the machine is people in process and partners. And and so the process we've kind of ironed out. That's not really being redesigned. It's finding more partners uh, outside of SRG and within SRG, honing the team membership so that we have people who are good starters, because that's what we need to do. Start, 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 start. And that takes a, a person who's skilled at configuring things, arranging things, um, pulling, configuring partners who can do a language with reviewers, with tools, um, and getting them all trained up. And that kind of arranging the project so it can just go, right. compressing that time. Well, listen, Jane, thank you so much for being on with me again. I mean, this is uh, a little bit of an experiment for me as well, I'm guessing, as for you, because, you know, you've now been on the podcast twice. You were willing to submit to an interview more, you know, a year ago uh, to, to as this thing has gotten started. So to allow 
me to check in with you from time to time and ask you these tough questions, uh, I think just says a tremendous amount about you and your leadership and your, you know, willingness to be held accountable yourself, but also I think gives our readers and listeners some insight into this process. And uh, so I'm just really grateful for this insider look and, um, and, you know, wish all the best as you go forward from here. Thank you, Warren. It's a joy to talk with you. That brings to a close this episode of the Ministry Watch Extra podcast. As I said at the top of the program, we've written a lot about the Bible translation industry over the past two years, and you can find links to these articles, including my January interview with Jane Schoen, in the show notes for today's program. Before we go, I'd like to remind you that Ministry Watch is donor-supported. We take no money from ministries. All of our content is free, no paywall. That means we couldn't do what we do without faithful donors like you. You guys are the real heroes of this enterprise. So if you'd like to join that heroic group by pitching in to make sure that Ministry Watch remains a viable endeavor, you can do that by going to ministrywatch.com and hitting the donate button at the top of the page. And if you donate in the month of August, we'll send you as our thank you a subscription to World Magazine. That's a print and digital subscription, which has a value of more than $100. Now, that's for a gift of absolutely any size. The producer for today's program are Rich Rosell and Jeff McIntosh. We get database technical and editorial support from Stephen DeBerry, Christina Darnell, Emily Kern, Rod Pitzer, and Casey Suddeth. I'm Warren Smith, and you've been listening to the Ministry Watch Podcast. Until next time, may God bless you.